This is the city. Some people rob for pleasure. Some rob because it's there. You never know. My name's Ron Ananian. This radio show is really about fixing your car. It's um, no egos, no emotions, just, you know, here's the facts. Uh, it's sort of like Dragnet. I would think it's like Dragnet. Just the facts, man. The Car Doctor. Let me tell you what I think it isn't, and then I'll talk about Ground 103, all right? Um, okay. I, I don't think it's an ignition switch, but I want to mention it because it, it wouldn't be completely impossible. Welcome to the radio home of Ron Ananian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. How great is this? Hello and welcome. Ron Anini and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Really, how great is this? We get to spend another hour together, you and I, talking about cars and learning from each other and exchanging some ideas with regards to the proper ways to repair these these rolling computers that we ultimately call cars that uh, take us back and forth to our jobs and safe trips and family and so on and so forth. I think it's just a wonderful experience. More information about this radio show, yep, cardoctorshow.com. Of course, we've got a website, tunein.com, iheartitunes.com. We'll take podcasts of this radio show as well as Google Play. And uh, keep in mind that if you're looking for me during the week at any time in an emergency, you can send an email, shoot an email to me, ron at cardoctorshow.com, and I'll do my best to give you an answer or at least get you going into the right direction. By the way, I should point out, too, 855-560-9900, our phone number is 24-7 toll-free. So you can get out to 855-560-9900. I have to slow that down. I've been accused of saying that too fast. 855-560-9900 is a 24-7 toll-free number. You can call and leave a message. And our truly magnificent, God, we couldn't do the show without him, absolutely the best shining star in his field, our executive producer, Fast Harry will call you back and put you in queue anytime, day or night. And uh, that's absolutely what he loves to do. As a matter of fact, call late at night, folks. If you call 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, he's up browsing the garage sale list for the next day. So he doesn't mind talking to you till the wee hours of the morning because he's a 24-7 go-getter kind of guy. Ain't that right, H? Yes, there he is. So he's all happy. We mentioned him on radio. We made Harry's week. Had a new customer in the shop this week. I call this the Jerry Maguire syndrome for reasons that will become obvious to you very shortly. And I always think that this is the kind of customer you're looking for as a business owner. You're looking for somebody that's got that Jerry Maguire syndrome. You know what that is? You don't know what that is? Remember that scene where where Tom Cruise and Cuba Gooding are, are walking out of the practice and Tom's trying to, and his character Jerry Maguire is trying to explain to to Cuba Gooding that uh, you know they're talking about he's dating the 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 divorced mom and or she, maybe she was a widower I don't remember but she was a single mom and um, he, he's he's talking to her and explaining with regards to what it's like to be going out with her and Cuba Gooding looks at him and he says you know Jerry you got to remember she's been to the circus she's seen the show she knows what it's all about. And the conversation then goes on to other areas, which we won't mention because this is family radio, but the bottom line becomes that it's just that she knew what she wanted in terms of, you know, dating and, and Jerry had to get that through his head. It was, he found somebody that actually knew what they were looking for. I call that Jerry Maguire syndrome. 
new customer walks into the shop this week, Elizabeth, with her 2015 Jeep Wrangler. And she had Jerry Maguire syndrome. She knew what she was looking for. And it was really kind of refreshing. And she was a no-nonsense, made-sense, you know, intelligent person that I just want my car fixed. And I just don't want to feel like I'm being cheated. And I don't want to be told that the car is going to be ready in 10 minutes and it takes you three hours before you even get to it. And I found out I could have I could have left the car and gone somewhere else and then come back. And the more I talked to Elizabeth, I found her to be very refreshing. It was it was something that we haven't experienced at the shop in a while with regards to a new person walking in because it seems like everybody comes in with drama and everybody comes in with a problem, but not Elizabeth. As a matter of fact, during the course of servicing her car, you know, it was you're going to rotate the tire. Sure. I said, uh, where's the wheel locks? She actually knew where her wheel lock keys were. Heck, she knew what wheel locks were, which kind of amazed me. I was very impressed by that. And I, I think more people need to strive to be like Elizabeth in terms of how they manage the care of the automobile. Look, it's not it's not rocket science. All right. Listen. Every repair shop, unless they just started yesterday, has been around long enough, they've heard every sob story. I understand everybody walking in the door wants to get it as cheap as they can. I get that, all right? You know, we all want everything for free, and we all want it cheap. I mean, that's human nature. But the reality is that in order for a business to survive, they have to charge you X amount of dollars. What sort of service do they give you in exchange for those dollars? Do you get good service? Do you get a good feeling? Do you know why you're in that repair shop or dealership? Are you getting what you need? Or are you just miserable and you're afraid to move on and look somewhere else? And that was one of the things Elizabeth conveyed to me. She said, you know, I knew these guys weren't it because every time I went there, they were trying to sell me something. And you can sit there and say, well, Ron, maybe the car needed something. It's a 2015 Jeep. When I saw it on Thursday, it had 11,000 miles on it. How much service could a 2015, a one-and-a-half-year-old vehicle with 11,000 miles on it need? An oil change, a tire rotation, and maybe a bottle of fuel system cleaner. What else can they sell you? I mean, it's new. The maintenance on vehicles has gone way down. So much so, we were talking about this the other day. 2005, Chrysler Town & Country came into the shop. 199,388 miles. It had a bucking condition. The car would buck on hesitation, on acceleration. It would hesitate. And it sounded, if we want to use, you know, audio failure, it sounded like the distributor all of a sudden went too far advanced. It's not distributor. It's, 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 it's computer controlled. But it sounded like an older car with a, a vacuum advance that stuck wide open. It would ping and detonate and just buck and all sorts of issues. Had a P0344 and a P0335 cam and crank sensor faults. Chrysler common, very common failure for it to be one or the other or both. And one or the other can cause that particular failure. The diagnosis requires, and you have not heard me say this in a long time, all right? The diagnosis requires hooking up a lab scope, two channels, and looking at the signals that the sensors are producing to see which one is out. The amount of oil leaking out of the valve covers on this particular car, the Middle East doesn't have this much oil, all right? 
when I'm talking when I'm talking an oil leak, I'm talking in about another 20 minutes of my talking. If this car is doing 55 going down the road, the entire undercarriage of the vehicle is now rust-proofed and the oil is dripping off the back bumper. All right? How many things wrong? And 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 I'm on subject here. Give me a second. How many things wrong do we find with the human body when we do CAT scans and MRIs? We can see so much we can scare ourselves to death. You hook a lab scope up to an oil-soaked wiring harness on a 12-year-old, 200,000-mile vehicle, you're going to see things that will scare you to death. And the time it's going to take you to scope this versus spending $100 on two sensors is, is, in, is incomparable. It just, it just doesn't pay. And that's what we did. We put two sensors in the car, done, fixed, down the road. My point is, what's my point? My point is that there's a car that needed something. Of course, look at the age and mileage. Now, if you notice, we're always talking about cars failing at higher mileage, 12 years old, 200,000 miles, 8 years old, 150,000 miles. Back to Elizabeth, 2015 Jeep Wrangler, 11,566 miles. What could the dealership possibly be trying to sell her? What could it need legitimately? Not all dealers are bad, folks. Not all independent repair shops are good. You know what? A repair shop is only as good as the people in that building, and that's the bottom line, and that's the conclusion of this story. So what I want you to think about as we go forward this hour, and for all the car doctor hours we have yet to spend together, do you have Jerry Maguire syndrome? Have you been to the circus? Do you know what you're looking for? If you know what you're looking for, then go out and get it. Elizabeth did, and from what I understand, She's happy, and we'll see her again. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anini and The Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Ron and the car doctor rolling along this hour. Let's open up the phones at 855-560-9900 and welcome Stan from Chisholm, Minnesota. Stanley, welcome back, sir. How can I help today? Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, Ron, I've got some real old engines, like even a uh, one-lung cement mixer engine that's maybe 75 years old and a couple old tractors, maybe 50, 60 years old. And the ones I have manuals for tell me to use a straight uh, 10 in, uh, in wintertime, you know, and like straight 30 in the summertime. Right. Why can't, can I just use a 1030 on all of them? Let me answer that question this way. I have, I have, a, friend, yeah. I have a friend, Jeff. Jeff is an old engine collector. He collects a lot of the, uh, the, the, the one lung, you know, the stuff you used to find on plantations 100 years ago. Right. Um, the hit and miss engines. And we, we talk about oil on the older stuff versus the newer stuff all the time. And Jeff runs multi-viscosity in all of them. He never has a problem. And his explanation to me makes the most sense out of all of it. He said, you know, 100 years ago, 75 years ago, nobody could envision 1030 viscosity, a 1030 multi-viscosity oil with the level of expertise that it has today. So absolutely you can. Uh, you know, the stuff today is so much better. You're never going to find the oil that you had 75 years ago. 75 years ago, the oil was refined in such a way that there was grit and particulate in it because it wasn't as refined and as clean. 
Uh, you know, so trust me, the oil yeah. we're putting into anything today versus 30, 40 years ago versus 75 years ago, 100 years ago is just so much better in terms of quality that, you know, you're just there's no comparison. There, There's really no comparison. I see absolutely no yeah. problem with that whatsoever. So. See, see, Ron, you know, uh, you know, the reason I ask is because, you know, uh, Somebody told me that fuses here, modern 1030 oil, it's a high detergent oil and it's going to loosen all the sludge in those old engines. Well, you know, and that's the other conversation Jeff and I have. And I'm going to get a hold of an oil engineer to, to get an answer to this because we talked about that as well. Stan, it's like you were standing in the shop. We had this conversation 10 days ago. Jeff and I had stopped by for something. He has a 55 Chevy. And we were moving something around on the car and we were talking about oil and detergency and you know, my conclusion, his conclusion is that the detergency will help clean it up, but to what level? Listen, if you're that worried about it, use a detergent oil and change it more frequently. Maybe maybe put the detergent oil in it if it breaks up all the sludge and varnish. You know, if it's a small engine, run it for five hours and then change it. You know, whereas you might normally yeah. keep it in there for a season. Use that Use that detergency as a cleaning agent. Because it can only help. Now, you know, in terms of an automobile, listen, part of this conversation Jeff and I had was also with regards to, you know, in in 1955, an oil filter was optional on some of the engines that 55 Chevys had. In, In some cases, guys were stuffing rolls of toilet paper in those filter housings instead of putting a real filter in there. So things were done differently. The, the, the filtering systems were just so crude back then that, you know, we look at it and we compare it to modern engines and modern oil technology. You know, I look at what Pennzoil has done in terms of their natural gas derivative oils and, and what they've come up with, and it's just it's staggering. And you look back to, uh, you know, the way oils were made then versus now. The, the Pennzoil Ultra Platinum oil is just tremendous, and it's so clean. It comes from a natural gas base stock. My point is that I think us old-timers, and I kind of count you and I in that group, Stan, you know, we're we're looking at the way things were made versus, you know, what's what's really going on today. Um, You know, I defy anybody to go out to the Pennzoil website, get out to PennzoilSynthetics.com and start to read about how the oil is produced and how how it's made, how it comes out of that hole in the ground. And you'll sit there and you'll say, how do they do that? And no wonder cars last as long as they do if they're using a quality oil like that. And I think you'll find the same results with your engine, with all of your engines, uh, you know, using a multi-visc like that. And, uh, you know, the detergent concern is a legitimate concern. I just don't think it's a game changer. Okay, that sounds right, sir. good, Ron. I'm oh. going to start using that 1030. So, by the way, your phone connection was excellent today, Stan. What did you do different? Uh, maybe I'm just talking different. I don't know. No, no, you sound great today. So, how's things out there in Minnesota way, by the way? What's the weather like? It's hot and humid. We're yeah. about 80 degrees and uh, humid. Yeah, all the snow melted by now. Finally. Yeah, finally. So Last yeah, finally, la- yes. last week, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just about. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, hey, Stan. I did have frost, though. I did have frost about a week and a half ago. Oof. Yeah, so, you know. I'll never forget, I tell this story every time on air. You know, the last time I visited Minnesota was a good couple of, oh, probably seven, eight years ago. And I remember driving down from the Twin Cities down to Owatonna to visit the folks at OTC, and uh, somebody pointed out that this is where the Great Plains Indians lived. 
and you know the amount of snow they get is related to the stick on the front door of the house because they use the stick to find the front door because they get so much snow. And he said to me, you know, that's why all the Great Plains Indians are gone because they lived out here in the cold and the snow. It killed them all. And uh, I, you know, I said, yeah, I think there's a joke in there somewhere, but I'm not sure exactly where. Stanley, I got I, 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 I to gotta go. I appreciate the call, and I appreciate you being such a great listener, and uh, good luck to you and all that you do. Take good care. Um, real fast, I want to end again. Thanks to Stan. Uh, it's always I'm, I'm glad. Listen, I'm glad Stan didn't bring up the positive ground thing again. We don't have to go through that one more time. But um, I want to talk about one thing that's important to me. I had an experience this week at the shop. Young man came in the shop, Leo. I know Leo since he was probably five years old. And boy, do I feel old because now he's driving. And Leo is Leo's hot rod of choice. You know, back in my day, it was Chevys and Fords. But Leo's hot rod of choice is an 08 Subaru WRX. He changed the wheels on this car, brought it in afterwards, and he says, you know, I got this clanking, creaking noise out of the left rear, out of the you know driver's side rear corner. And we looked at it and put it up in the air, and you can just grab the wheel and go clunk, clunk, clunk. Gee, look at that. The wheel's loose. Lug nuts are tight, but the wheel's loose. In the end, and I've got a point here, in the end... Leo used the original lug nuts with the new wheels. The taper was different. It didn't seat properly. And it allowed that wheel to rock on the studs to the point that, and I said this to him because I knew his grandmother, I said, Cookie must have been watching out for you because you were doing 65, 70 miles an hour coming up the parkway and the wheel didn't fall off. And my point is, and I got Leo to understand the value and just, taking a breath and, and, and doing it right and following procedure. My point is it takes a village to raise a child, and I think about this. You know, I really appreciate young people trying to learn how to work on cars. If you know one, you know, I looked at Leo. He felt bad. He was embarrassed. I said, Leo, if you knew all the mistakes I made as a kid, all right, you wouldn't believe I'm the same guy today. Everybody has to learn somewhere. Everybody has to ride the bike without training wheels, skin their knee, fall off, etc." said, don't feel bad. If if you know someone trying to work on cars, and this being Father's Day, I think it's an apropos time to, to, to make this suggestion. Take a moment, take them under your wing, and say, hey, you know, how's it going? Um, you know, how's the car? Do you have any questions? Because I think it's important. Leo's mom came in to pick up her car and uh, pay for his and, and so forth. And when he paid for his, when he picked it up, And I talked to her on the side, and she was glad that I had talked to him, but she was also glad to know what was going on, and they'll pay more attention. So, A, if your kid's working on their car, pay attention. B, if you can be a mentor, mentor a youngster today because they need help understanding how those cars work and to keep them safe. I'm Ron Anady and The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Indy and the Car Doctor here having fun and some hot fun this summertime at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number, which I should point out if you call and leave a message if we're not live on the air at that particular time. We've set up a messaging service there, so if you call 855-560-9900, leave a message. Fast Harry, our executive producer, will call you back and uh, put you in the lineup for the next live broadcast we can talk to you about your car problem and solve it for you. Speaking of which, let's get over to John from Brooklyn, New York, 2004 Lexus with a car question of his own. John, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Thank you, Ron. You're welcome. Uh, 
I have a 2004 Lexus RX, and yesterday I brought it in for my annual inspection at my mechanic that I've been using for eight years and trust very much. Okay. However, he wasn't there yesterday, and uh, his associate was, and I got the inspection, and I also got a phone call saying that he thought that I should change my spark plugs, and I just don't know anything about that. Uh, I have 95,000 miles on the car. I've had no trouble. And when I questioned him on it, he just said, well, you probably should change them now just in case you have any trouble in the near future. So I was just wondering how often do you have to change your spark plugs on this vehicle? That particular vehicle, John, I believe manufacturer calls for a spark plug interval of about 120,000 miles. But look at the age of the car. It's 10, 12 years old, right? 12 years old, yes. And and the question really becomes, will the plug come out of the head at that point? And, you know, that can become a mess. Now, to do spark plugs on that, this is an RX300, so this is the V6. You know, the, the, the right way to do it, to make life simple, is to pull the plenum, giving, giving you a sense of accessibility. So... Yeah, you know what? The mechanic's not really wrong because he's, he's actually watching out for your better interest because right now, hopefully, the plug does come out of the head versus 25,000 miles later. You know, will it? How long will it take you to put 25,000 miles on the car? Another five years? A while. Yeah. You know, and at what point does it bond and it doesn't come out and it becomes a bigger issue? Now, a couple of caveats, all right? Number mm-hmm. one... Have him take a look at the rear valve cover. Is the rear valve cover leaking any oil? Not to, not to sell you a bigger job, but right. if the rear valve cover is leaking oil, now's the time to do it. All right? Okay. When the plenum is off, accessibility of the valve cover is right there. You know, it's an additional hour and a half, two hours of shop time. Take the valve cover off, clean it up, put a fresh one on, and you're, you're avoiding taking the upper intake plenum off again in 30,000 miles when the problem gets worse. That's number one. Okay. Number okay. number two, since 2000, 2001, Lexus Toyota products have wired their ignition coils in such a way that when one fails, it will damage others and take the system down. It's, it's like a failure of a canned data bus system with computers where everything is tied together electrically and it creates bigger issues. As, cra- right. as crazy as this sounds, on a good running engine, but it's 12 years old, I would be very particular, and I would take a hard look at the coils when the coils come out. For the price of coils right now, and they're probably $100, $120 a piece, you're better off replacing at least the three back coils to avoid okay. the problem later on. Again, anything to avoid having to take the intake plenum off twice, that's... That's the problem. That's what you're trying to avoid. All right? And as a suggestion, because you hear me talk about it, and I use them in the shop all the time, Denso Iridium TT spark plugs would be a wonderful choice. The nice thing thing about the Iridium TTs, and there's a lot of things that's nice about them, but one of the nice things about the Iridium TTs is the threads are pre-lubricated. So they're, they're easier to come out in the next 100,000 miles should you have the car then. Not to mention the way they're made and the laser welding and all the construction and all the advantages of Iridium TTs that they offer. Um, you can read actually more about it at IridiumTT.com. 
dot com. I'm sorry, DensoTT. I'm sorry, DensoTT.com. You Denso. can all about I will them, look right? at that. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, for the three coils, put Denso's in, mm-hmm. put Denso coils in it as well. But DensoTT, we'll talk about the spark plugs. That's really the right way to do it. Listen, it's not about how much money can you save. What you're driving, you're, you're driving a bullet. That thing is pretty indestructible. Okay? Mm-hmm. Spark plugs are the weak link. Valve cover gaskets are the weak link. Sooner or later, ignition coils are going to be the weak link. And I, I've learned from experience that when I start to get a car with this many miles in this age, I will start to group things together because it's actually more beneficial to the customer's pocketbook than it is trying to do them spread out over the next 50,000 miles. That's when you're going to get aggravated and say, I'm getting rid of the car. It's costing me too much money. Gotcha. All right. Okay, so, I'll do a little homework and go visit him again. All right, if you have any you questions, so you know where to find me. Thanks, John. You take good care. Let's go over to Joseph, Meriden, Connecticut, 68 Mustang. Joseph, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Thanks for well, being there. What's uh, going on? I have a uh, 1968 Mustang uh, convertible with a 289. Okay. And it's been bored out 30 over. Right. And has a mile cam, four-barrel with a metal rock performer. It's automatic. And... Uh, I had air conditioning in it, and I took it out, put it into my Ranchero, and in the process, I don't think I purged the uh, the new heater core when I put it in. And I blew the bottom radiator hose three times right off of the uh, water pump. Okay. And the heads have been rebuilt, and it's running fine now, and I took the thermostat out because I'm running hot. And right now, I'm, without the thermostat, it's running at... Uh, 180, and then it goes up to about 205. Okay. Kind of like levels off there, but I got home right away because I wasn't sure if it was going to go any higher. Okay. Are you still blowing the bottom radiator hose off? No, I finally got that to stay on. All right. What did you do to get that to stay on? Well, like I said, I had the head redone, and I had a, a feeling that I was probably getting a little pressure leak from the head. Okay. Since it overheated three times on me. All right. So on the assumption dangerous word on family radio, that there, are, that there are no more combustion leaks into the cooling system, all right? Um, I'm okay. assuming that's right. So let's let's assume that. I mean, if you wanted to check it, one of the easiest things to do is take the radiator cap off and crank it over when it's cold one day, disable the ignition and crank it over. Does, you know, have somebody crank while you look inside the radiator. Don't look directly in because you may get a bath. But if, if there's any movement of the coolant, if there's any bubbles, if all of a sudden it starts to puke a little coolant out the top of the radiator, air's pumping coolant, and you've still got a combustion leak. So that that's the simplest way. The other thing I will do is I will bring a cylinder around on top, or I'll back off all the rockers, especially on a 68 289 Mustang. It's easy enough to do. And, you know, fill the cylinders and put shop air in the cylinder and look for bubbles in the coolant, too. Does it hold? So that being okay. said... We get over the, hey, we've got no combustion leaks into the cooling system. I got a couple of questions for you. The fan that's on this, is it the stock fan? No, I put the aftermarket with the six blades, okay. the stainless steel blades, okay. to get a little more air around there. Okay. How close to the radiator is the fan? Stock position? Oh, with the shroud on, it's about, I'm guessing, three three inches max. Okay, but you're running a shroud. Yes. And and is that fan in the stock position, or have you changed it from what it was? No, in the stock position. Okay. With the, uh, with the extension on the uh, water pump. What about the pulleys, the crank and the water pump pulley? Are they stock? Yes. 
Okay. And the reason I ask the reason I ask that is because you're you're looking for you're looking for you know you want to slow things down. The longer it sits and goes through the radiator, uh, it takes to go through the radiator. It'll give off more heat. It has a better chance to cool it down. For some reason, guys start to think, "Hey, let's speed things up and move it along faster." Um, I've actually seen cars overheat and they run worse. So that being said, then what kind of a radiator do you have in this? Is it the stock radiator? Is it a replacement radiator? It's a replacement three core. Okay. And I have a comp competition uh, uh, distributor in there, electronic, and I run it at uh, 38 degrees advance, uh, advance, full advance at about 35, 3,800 RPM. So initial timing is probably 10, 12 degrees when you start it up at 6,800 RPM? Uh, no, not even that. It's about 2. Okay. And then it advances out a long If I move that up, it'd be at the uh, top end goes higher. You put a boy. Right. So what I'm wondering is, do you happen to have the older, do you have the old original radiator around, or was it always a three-row? No, it was originally a two-row, wasn't it? Right, originally a two-row. Okay. So do you have the I old... I put the three in uh, when I got the air conditioning unit. I wanted to get a little better cooling. Okay. So when you, do you still have the two-row radiator? Yes, I do. Can I tell you to do something crazy? Okay. Put the two, Put the two-row in it. And I'll, t- I'll tell you why. I've, I've been down this road where the three rows, I don't know if it's the capacity or the ability to, it, it's just thicker and it doesn't give off the heat as quickly, but I've had experience on cars where three rows actually cause a heat increase, not decrease. And in some cases, capacity isn't everything. If you try the two row and you get the exact same results, that eliminates it's not the radiator. And that eliminates okay. that it's not it's 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 not a capacity issue. And then give me a call back, and we'll talk again. Okay. All right, sir. I'm willing to try anything. Yeah. Thanks so much. For Let me help. know what happens. I'm here for you. We'll figure it out. Okay. Take care. You're welcome, Joe. You have a good rest of the afternoon. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Annie in the car doctor at your service. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. I'll see you right after this. The car doctor. Um, interesting email I received from a gentleman by the first name of Lance uh, in response to some of the things we talk about here on the radio show. Ron, I was listening to your most recent podcast and your comments about how car companies are making it more difficult for independent repair shops, and it was a spot-on comment, but the problems affects other industries too, and I thought this was interesting. I'm a photographer, and recently the big camera companies have stopped selling parts to independent repairmen. Independent camera repairmen are closing up, and obviously you can't fix cameras without parts, and there are limited parts coming in from China. So, which are refurbished or new third-party quality unsure. Rolex, the watch company, listen to this. Rolex, the watch company, tried something similar in the early 80s. In the 60s, if you wanted to be certified to work on Rolex watches, you went to Rolex school and learned their ways, took a test, and if you passed, you became certified and were given a Rolex parts account. This worked out well until Rolex realized if only they did the repairs, they could make more money, so they bought back old stock and closed out accounts. The independent watchmakers couldn't service Rolex unless they had parts on hand. Rolex got what they wanted. In fact, they were overwhelmed with the amount of repairs that they had 
Turnaround time to repair a Rolex watch went from two weeks to months. Things got so bad that with certain watches over 10 years old, they were deemed too old for repair. Could you imagine spending over $1,500 on a watch and 10 years later you send it in for service and told it's too old? Buy a new model? That didn't go over well. Here's the twist. The parts manufacturers got together and started selling parts to the independents. Only the parts they didn't have didn't have the Rolex logo on them. So you kind of wonder, with regards to the automotive world, what's going to happen in the day Look, that... Look, I told you the washing machine is not working. Yeah, I don't care. You're what? supposed to wear the proper uniform when we do hang, the hang, hang on a minute, folks. Again, i gotta, yes. I got to settle the a grievance. The washing machine is fellas, not broken. I need fellas. a double X t-shirt. Hello? Oh, hey, hey, remember? So are we doing a show here? Radio show, remember? What's, oh, what's, sorry, sorry, what's, sorry. Yeah, what's the matter now? Hang on a minute. Well, Tony's on a uniform. What's, I'm out of uniform today, Ron, because my washing machine is broken and I need a double X t-shirt. He's got soap in the toilet. I mean, you know, what the heck? Oh, your double X. Well, I'm sorry. You know what? If you're referring, oh, Tony, you're supposed to. That's right. You don't have your car doctor T-shirt. No, on I today, have a plain dude. white T-shirt on today, yeah. Ron. Um, I need to wash my clothes, and my washing machine is right. broken. Well, I would gladly give you another double X T-shirt, Tone, but I'm out of them. As a matter of fact. So how can I get one? So and, I won't. And, and I won't get is, confronted and, and like this, this again on the air. How? Well, you could probably pay attention to eBay if you watch eBay. You know, we're selling them out on eBay. Not okay. to make this a commercial, but I guess we're gonna. Um, if you if you get out to eBay, uh, eBay.com, go to Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Uh, we're doing T-shirts up there. We are out of double X. Um, I've got I've got to put some on order. I've got to sell down some of the other stock because I can't just order double X. It's 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 like the Rolex watch thing. It gets confusing after a while. So if everybody has some patience, we'll get double X back in stock. But in the meantime, if anybody needs small, medium, large, extra large, or triple X, I have triple X. So, Tony, listen, if you lost a couple of pounds. I, I can take a triple X. What are you trying to say about my weight? Or, or you got to be a, a bigger fat, you know what, then uh, we might be able to accommodate you. But that's okay, too. I love you, Tony. I love, love you all too. you guys. So. Um, anyway, that's the T-shirt story. That's the Rolex story. I'm going to pull over and take a break before I go completely insane and uh, set this radio show back 10 years. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. I'll return right after this. Welcome back, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. First of all, I want to say thank you to everybody for spending time with us today. And uh, we know that, um, you know, it's it's hard for you to find the time to take the time. And we appreciate the fact that we're part of your time and uh, part of your automotive self-care. And I also want to point out that 855-560-9900 is the 24-7 number, and we're here for you. If you have any questions during the course of the week, um, by all means, pick up the phone, call us, leave a message. Fast Harry will call you back and uh, put you in the lineup and, um, you know, get you on air. We kid Harry about his uh, the way he does things, but uh, we love Harry. He does a great job for us, and uh, you'll appreciate the fact that you get to talk to him because um, he's good at what he does. I want to talk a little bit about Father's Day before I go. I saved this the best for last. You know, I put a post up on Facebook this week, and I realize not everybody is Facebook-friendly, so to speak. And uh, the conversation was about Father's Day, and what started this was the folks at O'Reilly Auto Parts mentioned Father's Day and about getting dad what he wants for Father's Day and that kind of thing. And it got me thinking about my dad. I had a conversation with Harry a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about, you know, life. And as you get older, you just, you, you look at the trail and, you know, life is, they always, they often say life is, um, it's two dots connected by a dash and you got to enjoy your dash and you got to make sure your dash means something. And I said to Harry, 
you know, I really wish for all the things we start thinking about dad, I really wish that he had left me something that, uh, he had given me a, you know, a keepsake and, um, you know, just something to remember him by. Cause my father, obviously our father, Harry and I, he passed when we were young. I was 11. Um, I had just turned 11. Yeah. Harry, you wanted to jump in here real quick? Uh, well actually not about that, but we just got a call yeah. and this is about what you were talking about last week with the OEM parts, right. the bill, the governor of Minnesota just vetoed it. Cool. Good. So there you go. That was Bill in Minnesota just called us. Good. You know what? We'll try and put more coverage on that for next week. But um, what I wanted to say about that, just to finish the thought real fast, was, you know what? I, I appreciate dads, and you've got to be a dad, and you've got to be a mentor. And I will tell you this. Sitting on the fender of that car at five years old, watching my dad fix that car, I learned my math. I learned my fractions. I learned my wrench sizes. Nothing wrong with it. Be a mentor. Teach a kid how to fix cars. You'll teach a kid a whole lot. Happy Father's Day to everybody. I'm Ron Anany in the car, Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.